0: and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoyed today's message.
1: Well, officially, Shabbat Shalom. Good morning. Uh, all right, just want to make sure you're still uh, breathing and you're still there. It's a blessing to be here, as I mentioned. And as uh, today, I want to share with you some verses and also some verbs. How many of you like grammar? <laughs> How many of you like chocolate? I asked that last week in every hand. All right, All right. now everybody see i will get started, but... I want to share, start with a passage from the book of Yishayahu, the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Karatevishimcha, I have called you by your name. Atali, you are mine. This passage is a tremendous passage when I think about it. And there are many ways to parse this passage, to interpret it. And many ways uh, means because this passage connects with quite a few theological premises and, and, and life premises. For example, you can look at this passage, and through the use of the name Jacob and the use of the name Israel, conclude that this passage can address both individuals because the name Jacob applied to an individual and also the name Jacob applies to the house of Jacob, the Jewish people. The same with Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And we can say Israel and it references Jacob or Israel to references I'm Israel, the people of Israel. And from this passage, we realize as it says, I have called you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. That this passage involves divine calling to some degree. And as a topic in the book of Isaiah, calling is not something that barely shows up in Isaiah. In fact, it's throughout Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, we read of Isaiah's personal calling. He saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. The Lord's train filled the temple. And Isaiah realized that the Lord was kadosh, he was holy, he was holy, he was holy. And he, he felt like he was an unclean man in comparison. And we have the call of Isaiah. Later on in a very unique passage, the book of Isaiah describes the calling of, of a foreign king named Cyrus. How many of you have heard of Cyrus? A foreign king named Cyrus and describes his calling and his, his hand-picked nature before the Lord or status before the Lord, how the Lord sovereignly picked Cyrus to fulfill some of the Lord's will. And uh, it goes on and on where the Lord speaks about how later on he talks about his servant, a messianic reference to Yeshua the Messiah, the great Shamash, the great Kohen Gadol, the the great uh, Messiah of Israel and the ruler of all the nations. I think it's biblically true, and you would probably agree with this, that God's call does indeed come to us as individuals, and God's call can come to communities. In the book of Acts chapter 13, the first several verses there, there, it talks about how the community was praying, and the Lord spoke to them during the time of prayer and said, separate unto me. And he calls out two individuals from within the community. You can check it out in Acts chapter 13. Here the community is involved in prayer. And it says after that, they were called that the community fasted more, they prayed more, and then they laid hands on them, and they sent them out. So a calling came from within the community to individuals in that community. And I do think that's still a paradigm that happens among believers. That within a community, God can call individuals for sovereign work that he wants that individual. Sometimes it's a couple, can be a family, can be an individual man or woman to do his purpose. I'll never forget a friend of ours uh, many years ago. Skinny as a rail, quiet as a, a, a mouse, spoke to us and said that he felt called to China. And he was the last person I would have ever thought would go to China, the last person. Flaming red hair, quiet as a mouse, didn't seem to have any language skills, etc. And he sensed that God had called him to China. This is years ago, probably three decades ago. And he gave himself to that calling. He was faithful within the community to the very last day because he eventually ended up going where? To China and marrying in China. There, it was incredible. He came up here after we moved here and visited us, and probably no one even noticed him. He was that quiet. He came up for a weekend and visited with us there. So you don't know, if you really have ears to hear what the Ruach is to you, you it's, it's not up to us to decide what that is. It's up to us to do what? To obey the Lord's calling, to, to do what the Lord says. That is up to us. Isaiah 51 says this, beginning with verse 1. There's a similar idea here concerning calling to both Abraham and to Sarah. Notice this a wonderful passage. Isaiah 51 verse 1 says, listen to me. And then it describes who should be doing the listening. And I hope this includes each one of us here today. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. I hope that applies to all of us here today. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. And then in verse 2, it uniquely says, look to Abraham, your father. We still to this day say Abraham, Avinu, How many have heard that term before, Abraham Avinu? I still use that. It's very common in, in uh, Jewish circles. Look to Abraham your father, Abraham your father. But it doesn't stop there. And to Sarah who bore you. And then, as I mentioned, I want to share some verses. I also want to share some verbs with us today. And they're found in the very next statement for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. As you can see, both Abraham and Sarah are mentioned in Isaiah chapter 51. They're there, it's obviously. And it's, it's befitting, really, this passage does fit into this week's parashah. If you had a chance to, re- to read this week's parashah called Chayesara. Both Abraham and Sarah in this passage are mentioned. And uniquely, they both pass away in this passage. In the beginning in Genesis chapter 23, the beginning of the parasha, we read about Sarah's passing. And where is she buried? She's buried in Hebron, Kiriath Arba. And then at the end of the passage, the very last chapter of the passage, chapter 25, the second to the final statement within that passage, we read about Abraham's passing. And even at his passing, as much at times as two individuals did not get along together, and I'm referencing Ishmael and Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael, they do come together for Abraham's, as we would call today, funeral. They come together and he is buried also in Hebron in Hebron. To me, having been there a number of times to that place, it's one of the most moving places for me to go to the cave of Machpelah, to the cave of Machpelah, and to go to the traditional tombs of Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and others that are there. Now, Sarah figured uniquely... Let me focus on her for a minute. She figured uniquely... In one of the most important events, and I'm going to say it this way, and I'd like you to ponder this possibility, one of the most important events of biblical history, Sarah's prominent in it. I'm I'm referencing the birth of Isaac, the birth of Isaac. Why is that so important? Well, Isaac was the child of promise. And you know, if God is not faithful to his promises, we have a problem mission control, (laughs) But he is faithful to his promises. And there are many key promises that we have in the Brit Kadasha and in New Covenant that we need to cling to. We need to make sure that we don't lose sight of them as we live this life in this ever-decaying world that we laid hold, we grab, we keep in our hearts and minds the very promises of God. And those of you who frequently attend here, you know that I have a favorite promise of God. <laughs> One of many favorites, but this one I always keep at the top of the list. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. How many of you like that promise? I do. I guess I like that more and more as each day goes on and the hair gets whiter. <laughs> you know, that type of thing. But Isaac, Isaac was the child of promise and God gave his word. And if we can't trust God and his word, what can we trust? Thankfully, the text shows over and over again how faithful God is. He keeps his promises. In Hebrews chapter 11, the book of Messianic Jews, chapter 11, verse 11, it emphasizes Sarah. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And by the way, way, she wasn't 18 years old. And Abraham wasn't a so-called spring chicken either. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. And here is a key statement about her, because she judged him, and I'm pointing to that direction. She judged the Lord faithful, him who had promised to be faithful. Today, do you look towards the Lord with the understanding that he is faithful? He's faithful concerning his will. And if you remain in the will of God, you are right in the seam of his faithfulness. If you think God's purpose, plan, and promise... And his purpose, his plan, his power, his promise, all those P words, if you think they only apply to the heroes and the heroines that we read of in Scripture, you'd be selling yourself, and I believe also God, a bit short. In fact, all believers in Messiah Yeshua, if you are a true believer here today, all believers in Messiah Yeshua, they are recipients of an important calling on their life. An important calling that comes right from him. And they're also recipients of great giftings from the Lord. According to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7, each believer has received grace from the Lord. You thankful for his grace today I am. Receive grace from the Lord. And what could be called grace enablements, the Greek word would be charismata. Grace gifts, gifts of blessing from the Lord. Each believer has received grace and the gifts that are accompanying grace. Our daily task, though, as we walk through this life, is to present ourselves to the Lord for his service. We can do other things for our will, our service, or other things, but we're to present ourselves on a daily basis, not just a weekly basis, but each day of the week basis, to the Lord for his service, and then to allow him to work in and through us into this world because there are people in this very city that need to know the Messiah. And now is the day, the time of salvation for them, even as it is for us. We need to allow the Lord to work through us, to trust him. And if you're like me, and I have a suspicion you probably are, allowing the Lord to use us on a daily basis to give ourselves over him, to do what Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 said, which is present ourselves as a living sacrifice to him, which is our reasonable, our spiritual form of worship. If you're like me, sometimes there can be some challenges doing that. Have any of you ever had some challenges on a daily basis, serving the Lord, following the Lord, and doing his will? I have. And this becomes especially true, I think, when we truly, in our hearts, allow God to do the commissioning of us, when we allow him to say what we should be doing, when we allow him to say how we should speak, and when we allow him to say how we should be acting we really let him, and we're really focused and tuned in that we want to do his will, this commission becomes very challenging. We find ourselves in circumstances with other people around us that really don't have that same mentality or focus or heart wanting to do the will of God, and here we are sometimes the stick in the mud, so to say, because we want to serve the Lord even though everyone around us may not. I call that a challenge at times. For some, that's at their workplace. For some people, that's in their very home with an unbelieving spouse. For others, it's out in the education world where you're around others who are not believers. And there you are. you, You sense the call of God on your life. You sense his commission to be his servant in the middle of it. You sense that and have that desire to do what he says, to respond how he wants you to respond. But there you are in the very real world you want to, to allow him, you want him to work in and through you, but there are challenges to that. Truth be told, we should try not to hinder or frustrate God's grace in our life. We should try not as best as possible to walk away from the things of the spirit and exchange them for the ways of the flesh because the ways of the flesh are death. Death. The ways of the Spirit are what? The Hebrew word is Chaim. Can you say (laughs) Chaim? They are life. They bring life. They speak of an eternal promise. They connect to the eternal promise of God. And the flesh connects to Mavit, death. Well, in Abraham's case, and again this week's parasha ends with Abraham's passing. In his case... From this one amazing man who was practically 100 years old. And this one amazing woman, his wife Sarah, co commissioned by the Lord, co laborer with him. From these two amazing people, 190 years old, give or take a few days. God's promise impacting all mankind was carried forward through the birth of the child of promise, Yitzhak. And if you follow biblical writ, you realize that the blessing passed from Abraham to Isaac and not to Ishmael. There were blessings given to Ishmael. Can't even read them in this week's parasha. But the true blessing, we know that when we talk about the blessing, it's the seed, the seed referencing the Messiah, would come through the line of Abraham and Isaac, not the line of Abraham and Ishmael. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12, explains it this way. Therefore, from one man, (laughs) and I didn't write this, it's what it says in the scripture, the next state, from one man, and him as good as dead, at that age, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And I'll remind you again what Isaiah 51, verses 1 and 2 say. It says, listen to this, listen to me. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Listen to me, you who seek the Lord. Listen to me is how the text starts. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. And then there's these three verbs. For I called him alone, blessed him, and increased him. Those three verbs are called, blessed, increased. As those here today who have received Yeshua, the Messiah, if he is your personal Lord and Savior, you made that commitment to him. When you think of those three verbs, calling, blessing, and increase, they also factor into, in my opinion, our walk with the Lord. We're told to look that direction, see how God worked with Abraham and with Sarah, so that we can gain and see and understand a little better about calling blessing and increase. The New covenant's abundantly clear. It says that we are to walk by the Spirit. And as we do so, following issue, uh, we are to take up our cross, as the text says, the tree, the execution stake, the slav, as it's called in Hebrew. We're to do that, how often? We're to do that on a daily basis. And Yeshua did that for us. Think about his life. He did that for us on a daily basis. Do you realize, friends here today, that he didn't slip up even one day in this? Not one day in his life did he slip up in this. Blessed be his holy name. Because I know if, my, if your life's like mine, there are days where I know I've slipped up. That I haven't been walking in the spirit as I should be. But with Yeshua, he not once did he slip up. By the time of his uh, passion, his sufferings, and his resurrection and ascension, just before his sufferings, he says, Satan has come for me and he has nothing in me, not a zilch, shumdavar in me, nothing. So Yeshua never slipped up. Just that alone to me is immensely amazing that he never slipped up. Because as you read the best of the Gospels, you realize it wasn't that he didn't have any confrontations. It wasn't that he didn't meet nice, nice and only nice people and he met bad people too. He met many bad people. They were out to get him. They attacked him. They threatened him. And then he had this incident in Matthew chapter 4 where he comes face to face with Satan who tempts him. Friends, not one day, not one time, (laughs) blessed be his name, did he ever slip up. We should be abundantly thankful for the faithfulness of our Messiah to the commission and the call so that we can have the blessing. He has lavished upon us through his own actions through trusting in him. He did all that for you and me. He saw what lied ahead, Isaiah 53 says. And he went through it for you. He bore up under the evil people that attacked him and they they punched him, they did all kinds of things and he didn't slip up. He's our extreme example. I would say even he's our supreme example of love in action. And I believe we are called to conduct ourselves in the love of Messiah as best as we're able to, to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, By this we know love, because Yeshua laid down his life for us. Let's do a full stop here. Let me mention one thing to you, please. If you ever fall into the falsity that you are unloved, please go to this passage. By this we know love, because Yeshua laid down his life for us. And friends, you are part of that us right there. You can say he laid down his life for you. If you ever feel like no one loves you and you're misunderstood, and you've got all this stuff going on, remember passages like this. That you have a Messiah who loves you, who laid down his life for you, who gave everything for you, who didn't slip up once so that you can enter into great blessing and receive eternal life. By this we know love because Yeshua laid down his life for us. Uh Uh-oh, there's another statement. Uh Uh-oh. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Uh Uh-oh, that's actually in the Bible. (laughs) His sacrifice, Yeshua's sacrifice, enables us to enter into many blessings in our life. You realize, and we've quoted this passage many times, and you probably have as well. You realize what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter verse 20? In that verse, it declares, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, so be it to the glory of God how through us do you think your neighbor your unbelieving neighbor your unbelieving coworker isn't watching you isn't noticing you and when that person sees there's blessing on your life, that you have peace in the midst of the storm, that you're now kvetching and crying out and complaining all the time, that you're not selfish, that you're not just caring about yourself, you don't think that doesn't grab the heart and the minds of those around you. For some, they get it immediately and they notice it. Others, it takes a little longer. But you are like a living epistle before them. And they see... They see. Many of us came to the Lord because of that very thing, including myself. Of seeing peace in someone's life and when my life was in turmoil. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, Amen to the glory of God through us. And such blessings, promises, and blessings are available to all believers, regardless of one's background. Notice what Galatians 3:14, again, speaking of Abraham. Galatians 3.14 declares that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and Messiah Yeshua. It doesn't say that the Gentiles become Jews. It says that blessing, though, is transferred not just to the Jewish people, but also to the non-Jewish people, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and Messiah Yeshua. And then it says this, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through Faith. God desires us, I believe, to receive, as we are faithful before him, to receive increasing blessing regardless of our temporal circumstances. That's what he desires for us, increasing blessing. And the lives of Abraham and Sarah included many difficult moments. Think about Sarah's life many difficult moments, many difficult people they encountered, many difficult trials, many difficult circumstances, and ultimately they were blessed because they recognized Immanuel, God is with us. God is with us. When you're facing a difficult situation, If you're here today and you belong to the Messiah, he's your personal Lord and Savior. You made a historical commitment to him that you're not going to turn back. You've set your hand to the proverbial plow and you are going forward and you're not looking back. Then you too can recognize in the midst of your trials that he is Emmanuel, the God who's with you. You can recognize that. And again, as Galatians 3.14 says, let me repeat it again, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and Messiah Yeshua, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Did you notice that last statement? The promise of the Ruach. The promise of the Spirit through faith, through trust, through belief. And that's a faith that's shown forth in our lives through humble, obedient actions. It's safe to say that in this present day that we live in, in this very hour that we live in, when there's so much happening in this great big world around us, it's safe to say, and I think you would agree with this idea, that we must walk in the Spirit in the midst of this. That that's what we're called to, to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. That's what we're called to. And Yeshua, when you carefully parse His words, he said many things about the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to reference the book of Yohanan, the book of John. For example, he said in John 7, verses 38 and the beginning of verse 39, he said to them, he who believes in me, referencing Yeshua, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. We actually sang about that today. And then verse 39 begins with this statement. But this Yeshua spoke concerning what? Not some local spring of water, not some river there. But this he spoke concerning the Ruach, the Spirit. He who believes in him, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And I want to share with you briefly, you might want to jot these down, the scripture reference. I'm not gonna I haven't asked them to project these scriptures forward but I want to reference just the latter part of the book of Yochanan, John. And I want to reference 10 different things Yeshua said about the Ruach HaKodesh in the latter verses of John, just John, not even the other Gospels. For example, in John 3, verse 5, we learn that the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, is intricately connected to being born again. We are born again by the Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 34, God can give the Spirit in great measure. In John chapter 6, verse 63, the Holy Spirit gives life, whereas what? The flesh profits nothing. In John chapter 14, verse 26, again, now this is the latter part of John. A fourth thing that it says about the Holy Spirit It says that the Holy Spirit is our parakletos, is our helper, the one who comes alongside, or we come alongside him. In the same verse, it says the Holy Spirit is sent in Yeshua's name, and it also says that the Holy Spirit is the teacher, and the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Yeshua said, did, and taught. And according to John 14, verse 17, it says the Holy Spirit is what? The Spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit abides with and in believers. And I know I've gone through this list quickly, but here's the tenth thing. There's actually been nine things I've said already about the Holy Spirit from the book of Yochanan, but the tenth one is found in John chapter 20, verse 22. And we learn from that that the Holy Spirit is received from Yeshua, from Him. Or, as John the Immerser said in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he will immerse you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was prophesied of Yeshua that he'd be the one to immerse us in the Holy Spirit. Friends, I don't think we should forget that the Spirit of God was a key factor in the sacrifice of Yeshua for our sins and transgressions. This is clearly stated in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says that Yeshua, through the eternal spirit, he offered himself without spot to God in our behalf. He did that for each one of us. His sacrifice opens to us doors of blessing that we have barely touched. His sacrifice makes it possible for us to receive even more of his Holy Spirit. And in fact, I'm convinced that he wants to give us a fuller measure of his Spirit. Now I have three other verbs I want to share with you. Remember I told you about verses and verbs? I want to offer you, in conclusion here, three verbs from Yeshua in Luke chapter 11, beginning with verse 9. See if you can catch the three verbs. So I say to you, number one, (laughs) ask and we'll give it to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Who is doing the action there, the particular action, us? And the response comes from the Lord. Are we really asking seeking and knocking concerning kingdom things? Or are we consumed with all that's happening in the world around us? So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, As Romans 8, verse 14 states, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Yeshua's sacrifice frees us frees us from the yoke of sin and his bondage. And I hope you're experiencing, as a believer, increasing, increasing levels of freedom, freedom from the sin that so easily besets you. It's still a battle. It's going to be a battle till we are perfectly transformed or completely transformed. But I hope you're experiencing increasing light in your life, increasing victory and deliverance because he frees us from his sacrifice, due to his sacrifice, from the, he frees us from a yoke of sin and bondage. And in the sense, we become eternally indebted to our Messiah, and that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. Because if there's someone who can really deliver on his promises, his Messiah Yeshua. Even the grave could not hold him. Even the, the, the scorn of mankind could not thwart him. Even the punishment and the pain that he suffered did not stop him from fulfilling his calling, which included you today and me. And his Holy Spirit empowerment, if we will allow him to empower us and to empower us in a deeper way, we will more and more be able to fulfill his exact calling for our life because we all have a calling. First and foremost, it is to our Lord to serve and honor him. And as we do that, I believe, becomes more and more obvious to us how that works out on a horizontal level. The vertical level's in place, the horizontal becomes in place. As Yeshua said in John chapter 14, verse 23, if anyone loves me, are you part of the anyone today? Do you love your Messiah? Do you love him for what he's done for you, what he's doing, and what he promised he will do, and his promise will not fail? Because all the promises of God are yea and amen and Messiah Yeshua. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Do you have a room in your tent in your earthly tabernacle, your life? Do you have room for the Messiah or is there no room in the inn? Because it's filled with everything else. I pray today that we, above all, will make it our passion to serve the Lord in our circumstances. Yours may be different than your neighbor, but your God is the same, he's faithful. To your neighbor that's sitting with you today, fellow believers, God desires to be a faithful, and he is faithful. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us and that your power is perfected in weakness. We look to you today, Lord, and ask for a deepened measure of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord, that we might be able to walk according to your word, that we would be vessels for you, vessels of righteousness, and that we would walk in the promises that you have given to us all the way back to Abraham and forward that we might fulfill all your will and purpose. Thank you for this Shabbat. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you give to us. We praise you this day, and we worship you in Yeshua's name. Amen.
0: You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pina Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 10:40 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, Excellent children's programs And Bible studies on Tuesday nights For more information Please visit our website www.roshpinah.org That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H Dot O-R-G You can also reach us by phone At 405-842-1967 Or email us at Info at Thank you for spending time In the Word with us today Shabbat Shalom And blessings in Messiah Yeshua